Happy New Year, everybody. I'm glad that you made it. And uh, again, next week is super important. Uh, the Lord has given us a word, and I'm excited to share it with you. I'm not going to share it today. I have something else to share with you today. And it's about, um, it's, it's about what we kind of have a tendency to do when it comes around to the first part of the year. And a lot of times what we end up doing is we end up having these resolutions. We put these resolutions together because there's areas of our life that we're going, man, you know what? My life doesn't look quite like I'd like it to. There are things about it, maybe internally, maybe externally, and I really want to see changes. So we make these resolutions, or um, you know, sometimes we could even call them goals. Uh, has anybody set goals for 2017 for themselves yet? If you set goals, uh, I'm actually working on some goals too. So here's the thing. Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you want to flip your Bible to that, you can. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the NLT, uh, it says this says this. There it is. <laughs> it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. You see, it's totally fine and healthy to set goals and to want to see transformation. And here's what this means is this, is, is that we have to have something to hope for. Lord, I'm hoping that, that there's a breakthrough in my finances. Lord, I'm hoping that there's a breakthrough in my relationship. Lord, I'm hoping, and here's the thing. So you have to have hope because if you don't have hope, then faith has nothing to give assurance to. Did you hear what I said? Okay, so if you don't have hopes about what you'd like to see God do, maybe goals or, or uh, areas that you'd like to see transformation, then there's nothing for faith to give assurance to. There's nothing for faith to give assurance to. So family, it is completely healthy and awesome to have goals and want to see God do amazing things in your life. And I want you to do that. That being said, that being said, resolutions and setting goals for yourself, and wanting to see transformation, it can be a potential trap for you. And I want to talk to you about that today, because sometimes we fall into that trap, and we don't even know that we fell into it. It all comes down to this. When you set a goal for yourself, when you make a resolution, you say, Lord, I really want to do this different in 2017. I want to spend more time with my husband or wife. I want to uh, be kinder. I want to see breakthrough in my finances. I want to do this. Here's where the trap comes. Who are you trusting to perform and complete your resolution? Who are you putting your faith in? Are you trusting yourself in 2017 that you're smart enough, that you're strong enough, that you can fulfill this transformative thing that you want to have happen? Or are you in a, the new covenant in your mind which says, you know what? This thing, I want this, this thing to happen in my life, Lord, but I don't trust myself. I trust you. I put my faith in you because I know that I'm not strong enough. I know that I can't transform myself. I know that I can't transform my situation, Lord. And so I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you. Turn with me to Galatians 3. Galatians 3.3 3 says this. This is Paul, and he's talking to the church of Galatia. It's a church, everybody, and that needs to be made clear. This, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to people just like you and I who have professed that we have put our faith in Jesus. And he's going, man, something is going on with you guys. And he uses some really, really strong words. 
And it's really interesting because uh, it, the church of Corinth, uh, there was all kinds of, of sin, sinfulness going on and, and uh, debauchery and uh, sexual sin. And he never calls the Corinthians, oh, you foolish people. But he does with the Galatians. Now, why is it? Look what he says. He says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to, uh, to become perfect by your own human effort? Why are you trying to perfect yourself by your own flesh? How foolish can you be? How foolish can you be? He actually even says, in another part, he says, who has bewitched you? Witchcraft. If you want to know what witchcraft is, it's when somebody comes to you and convinces you that you can do something apart from Jesus. In John 15, it says that you can do nothing apart from Jesus. You can't fix your marriage apart from Jesus. You can't fix your finances apart from Jesus. You can't fix yourself apart from Jesus. But somebody came into this church and said, you know what? Look, yes, Jesus is good and, and, and you know, put your faith, but... Y'all need to know that you need to keep trying to work at it. You need to keep trying to work at being better and work at looking more like God. And Paul had to come in and say, stop, stop. That's foolishness. If the greatest miracle in your life, which is salvation, came about by putting your faith in God and he completed salvation, how much more the lesser miracles of your life? How much more? Amen? How much more is God going to perfect you simply by staying at rest, by putting your faith and your trust in Him? Amen? Family, most of you know this, but we're going to go over it again because it's a good reminder. There are two systems of doing life that we find in the Bible. There's only two ways of doing life, and every single person on planet Earth falls into one of these two systems. Either you are under the system of doing things by your own effort— or you are under the system of letting God's effort be for you. There's only two systems. Only two systems of doing life. Either you are working for yourself, or you are allowing God to work on your behalf. One of the two. The Old Covenant, which is the system of doing things yourself, what it does is this. The Old Covenant fixes your eyes on your brokenness. It fixes your eyes on your brokenness. It fixes your eyes in the sense that it wants you to become introspective and go, where, where, what's wrong with me? How, how do I need to fix myself? And then you know what? After it fixes your eyes on your brokenness, what the old covenant does is it says, now fix yourself. Not only does it point out where you fall short, it says, go to work and get to it. But you know what? There's no power in that system, 1,500 years under the law, and not a single person was declared righteous under law because nobody could completely perfect themselves. If you have a New Year's resolution and you are operating under the old covenant, it might look something like this. It might say, look, you're overweight. You need to fix that. Look, you're in debt. You need to work harder. Get to it. You're always angry. You need to stop being angry at your spouse. You're selfish. You see, that's the kind of thing that the law wants to do in your life, but we, family, have to reject it because we can go and bring ourselves under that 
law as we're looking for our hopes and our goals for 2017. Does that make sense? When you make a resolution that says, I want to stop doing this, you can go under the mindset that says, well, how am I going to do it? And you put the demand on yourself to complete the very thing that you were hoping to set out to do, and then you get frustrated when it's not completed. Let me just tell you this. If there's an area of your life where you feel frustration, it's most likely because you're operating under God's law and not under God's grace. God's grace is restful, it's peaceful, and he will transform it on your behalf. If you feel frustrated, agitated, you don't know what's going on, it's most likely because you're putting your trust in yourself and you're putting the demand on yourself to accomplish that goal. Does that make sense? Jeremiah 17.5. Turn with me there if you can. Jeremiah 17.5. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. Look what Jeremiah says. He says this. This is actually not what Jeremiah says. He says, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength. Cursed are those who rely on human strength. And then he finishes it with, and turn their hearts away from the Lord. You see, you and I, once you put your faith in Jesus... You are forever redeemed. You are forever righteous. Your sin is forever taken care of, okay? We believe in in salvation that cannot be taken away. That being said, you can enjoy the new covenant using uh, your faith, or you can actually be in the old covenant in your mind and not see the benefits necessarily operating in your life. Does that make sense? When you start to trust yourself. When you put demand on yourself, how am I going to fix my marriage? How am I going to fix my household? How am I going to get myself out of debt? How am I going to break this sinful habit? Well, you've, you've just taken yourself out of the new covenant, so to speak, and you've put yourself under the old covenant. And we'll read in a little bit, but it says that actually that you fall away from God's grace when you do that. We'll read that in just a minute, but I'm getting ahead of myself. The old covenant does this. It puts the demand on you. It puts the demand on you. Spouses, especially, you, you'll know this because if, if your husband or wife says, man, I'd really like it if you did this, it's really easy for you to immediately not go into grace and go into, okay, Lord, uh, you know, my spouse really would like if I do this. And honestly, I would like it if I would do this. Would, would your grace come upon me? I receive your grace right now for this transformation because I want that too. And I'm just going to rest until you transform it inside of me. Most of the time, we don't go there. Most of the time, we go over here and <laughs> we go to the old covenant and we start going, well, how am I going to do that? I don't know. I'm so busy. I have so many things on my plate. And doesn't he know, doesn't she know that I'm already dealing with X, Y, and Z? And all of a sudden, because you feel this demand, and you're going, man, it's crushing me. I don't know how I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to perform this. Then all of a sudden, you start to lash out, and you get angry because you feel condemned, and so you go on condemning somebody else. So we want to, this 2017, as you build goals and as you, you work towards uh, seeing new changes in your life, wherever that may be, we need to, family, bring those under grace. Consistently bring them under grace because the enemy is going to consistently try to bring them and bring you under a mindset of old covenant law. He wants you to stay in this, this cycle of, 
of uh, failure, which is what the law does. When you rely on your own self-effort, you might have success for a time, but then it crashes because your self-effort cannot sustain transformation. Transformation only comes by Jesus Christ and His grace. Does that make sense? The only way to have sustained uh, success is for you to live in this covenant. Live in a covenant of rest. Live in a covenant of grace where God is working on your behalf. Amen? Watch what Paul says about demand. Watch what Paul says about the law's effect. And let me just tell you, where I'm going with this is, is you can make a resolution, you can make a goal, you can make a change that you want in your life, you can make that into a law because you can, you can put yourself in a place where you have to accomplish it. Does that, you see where I'm going? So I'm not saying you want to have hope and you want to have things that you're hoping that God does in your life uh, and you want to, because you need your faith to give assurance to hope, right? But you don't want to make it a law that you have to fulfill. Watch what happens when we make, when, when law comes into our lives. Paul is going to tell us in Romans 7, what happens when the law comes into your life? For instance, if you want to lose weight and you say, man, I can't eat that. I got to stop eating those things. I just made that a law in my life, right? Now watch what Paul says the law does to us. Romans 7, turn with me if you've got your Bible. Romans 7, starting in verse 7, I'm going to read this from the NIV. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, you shall not covet. Verse 8, but sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Let me just read verse 8 again. But sin seized the opportunity afforded by the commandment, and it produced in him every kind of covenant. So the law came in and said, don't covet. And Paul heard this, and next thing you know, sin took advantage of the law, and it started to produce in him this desire to do the very thing it said not to because he was under old covenant in that area. Let me just tell you, as I'm watching my child grow up, and as, if, you, if you've seen kids, if you've experienced kids, one of the things that you'll notice is, like, if there's something that you don't want them to play with, and you say, don't touch that, don't touch that, then all of a sudden, you will see in a child the law at work. You will see it, because suddenly, this thing rises up, and they're like, now all I want to do is touch that thing you said not to. It's all I want to do. Do you know this is what happens with your diet sometimes? If you're looking for a diet and you say, don't eat pizza, then all of a sudden, if you don't bring that under grace and you're, putting, you're, you're under law, it will rise up in you, and the only thing you will desire is pizza all the time. You all hear what I'm saying? So we have to be careful, family, even as family units, even as family units, we need to figure out how to project grace onto each other. Now, you have needs, couples, I get it. You have needs, and there are things that you would like to, to, to fix or the other person to fix, but you, you want to be careful not to put your spouse under law, because under law, it will produce the very thing that you're saying, stop doing. Y'all heard, y'all heard what I just said? <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Y'all heard? <laughs> I saw Chris repeat it in the back, and I was just like, he's like, y'all heard? And I was like, y'all heard that? Come on now. Come on. You know, in, in uh, the NLT, it says this. 
but, uh, the same verse, it says, but sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. So sin took advantage of the law. So when you have a goal this year, when you've set a goal for yourself, or there's a, des- a desire or a hope that you have, whatever that looks like, don't allow that to become a law in your life. It will produce the very opposite of what you want. You have to bring it under grace, family. Bring it under God's grace. Let him work it out for you. Trust him that he wants the same things, okay? Trust him. Be at rest. Another thing here, it says in Galatians 5.4. You can turn there. It's going to be on the screen. Galatians 5.4 in the NLT says, For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. You know, when we hear about falling away from grace, oftentimes we, we actually think of it as, as sin. We think that, oh, well, that pastor, he, he committed adultery, or he did something, and he fell from grace. But that's actually not biblical. To fall from grace, when you sin, you actually fall into grace. But when you try to please God through your own abilities, through your own effort, that's when you come down from grace. Grace is higher than the law. Let me just, let me just try to, I can see some looks that, that it's, it's, it's going, but it's not quite there. Let me just put it this way. Grace is unearned undeserved. When you go into the old covenant, the old covenant is based on your ability and your ability to deserve and earn it. And so if it is to be by grace, it has to come free of charge. But if you're going to work for it and you get that thing, it's, not by, it's no longer a gift, it's a wage. If I go to work for my employer and I get a paycheck at the end of it, that is not grace, that's law. That's, do you, you understand, that's old covenant. It's a wage. I've earned that thing, okay? So what Paul is saying is that when you, when you in your mind try to start earning God's blessings, earning his favor, when you try to start perfecting yourself by your own effort apart from the Spirit, now all of a sudden you have cut yourself off from God's grace because you are trusting yourself. You're trusting yourself. And he says this, if you're trying to make yourselves right with God, you know, in the Greek, with God isn't there. It says, if you're trying to make yourselves right by keeping the law, if you're trying to complete your marriage apart from God by the law, if you're trying to fix your finances, if you're trying to, whatever it looks like, if you're trying to do it apart from Jesus, he's saying that you're cutting yourself off from the very thing that will help you. Do you know we want Christ to be of effect in our lives? Amen? He says, look, he says you have been cut off from Christ. Literally, uh, in other versions, it'll say estranged from Christ. Uh, another one, it'll, it'll say uh, something to the effect of um, you have made Christ of no effect. That's probably the most accurate Greek. Is when Christ is effect in your, of, of effect in your life, when Christ is operating, it's when you're believing. Christ is not operating when you are working because you're doing it. Let me just put it this way. God rests when you're at work. When you rest, God is at work. Does that make sense? Rest is not inactivity. It's spirit-led activity. 
okay? He will guide you, but you have to put your trust in him. Don't put your trust in things. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your finances and, and, and you're starting to look at different things, don't put your faith in the stock market, though he might use the stock market. Don't put your faith in a banker, though he might use the banker. Your faith ultimately has to be in, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you're going to do it. I trust you, and I know that if a door closes, that you're going to open up a garage. You're going to open up something even bigger. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to stress because I know that you got me. I know that you have me. If you're looking to break a sin in your life, if there's something that's got you and captured you, don't put your faith in all the things that you can do. Don't put your faith in, in getting home at 10, in bouncing your eyes, in throwing away your computer. Put your faith in Jesus. He might lead you to do some of those things, but don't put your faith that that's going to fix it. Only Jesus transforms lives. You know, religion tries to repair things that are broken, but grace will transform the thing that is broken. Amen? God made a better way of life. The old covenant fixes your eyes on your brokenness, but the new covenant fixes your eyes on the perfection of Jesus. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Uh, I'm reading this from the ESV. He says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Stop. Just stop there. We all, beholding the Lord, are being transformed we are being transformed. There's a new way to be made new. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's him. Religion tries to fix things that are broken, but grace transforms things and makes them altogether new, family. Jesus doesn't just repair. He doesn't just repair. He actually supplants. This is a, it's a strange word, but when Jesus does something, he supplants he, he, let, me just, let me just explain it this way. Watch. Okay. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You see, he didn't try to repair you. He says, the old is gone. I made you new. I'm not just trying to repair you and glue you back together. He is going to transform you completely. That's what grace does. Religion wants to try to fix something that's broken. And if you've ever had like a vase that breaks and then you try to glue it back together, it's never quite as good as it originally was. And it might have been an ugly vase to begin with, right? <laughs> grace doesn't try to glue things back together. It replaces. Watch this. In Hebrews 8.13, it's not actually on the screen. God did not just amend the old covenant. He didn't just say, ooh, let's just strike that word and change this word. In Hebrews 8, 13, he says, by calling the new covenant new, he made the old covenant obsolete. It's a completely different thing. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says that your heart, I know it's not on screen either, sorry. Jeremiah 17, 9, it said that your heart was deceitful beyond all things and beyond cure. He didn't just try to repair your heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart. God's way is to supplant. He, he takes out what's broken and he puts in. You know, when, when Jesus took your sin, he didn't leave you empty. He didn't leave you empty. He gave you his righteousness in its place. 
Do you understand? You are not just sitting empty with no sin. You have the very righteousness of God inside of you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we just read it. It says he didn't just repair the old man. It says that he made a completely brand new one. You are transformed, family. The moment you put your faith in Jesus. Jesus continues to talk about this idea of supplanting. In Mark 2.21, this is on screen. He says this, Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. You see, religion wants to repair the old shirt, and it tries to patchwork it together, but that's not how it works. Jesus wants to replace and transform the very thing that is broken. If you have an anger problem, he doesn't want to just amend it. He wants, to, he wants to take out the anger, and he wants to replace it with kindness. Grace transforms. It doesn't just repair. It doesn't just leave. It supplants. Amen? You even look at this. When Paul talked about it, he said, flee sexual immorality. He didn't just say flee it. He said pursue righteousness, which is a gift. God supplants. Let me, just, let me just illustrate this way. With my son, when he's playing with something that I don't want him to, even at his age, nine months right now, like maybe he's got the TV controller and I'm like, Daddy needs TV, give it to me, right? If I just take it from him, there is an immediate fit and, and just crying and, and a meltdown, right? If I just take it from him. But if I use God's methodology of supplanting, what I do is I bring something that's even better for him. And as I'm taking the thing that he shouldn't have, I'm giving him the thing that he should supplant. That's God's way. God doesn't want to just repair or fix or try to amend. He wants to completely root out and replace. Amen? That's what grace does. Grace transforms. He goes on, Jesus goes on, he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskin, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Now, uh, the truth is, he's talking about covenant. He's talking about covenant, but let's illustrate this way. He's talking about covenant. In your life, Jesus said, there is new wine that I've given to you because you put your faith in Jesus. It needs to go in a new wineskin. What is the new wineskin? It's faith. It's rest. That wine is grace. But if you try to take grace and you put it in an old wineskin, the old covenant, where it's like, yeah, Jesus, I kind of get it, but I'm going to work really hard as well. I'm going to fix my own marriage, and I'm going to do all these different things, and I'm going to fix my finances. Then what Jesus is saying is that it will burst, and you lose the power Does that make sense? So he's saying, I've given you new wine. It needs to stay in a new wineskin. Family, stay. Even though you have goals and hopes and things that you want to see Jesus change, we need to rest and remain and keep those things under God's grace for 2017. Amen? Bring these uh, these resolutions. Bring your goals under God's grace. God will fight for you. Listen to this. Instead of fighting the desire to smoke, what grace will do is it will replace, it will remove that desire and replace it completely. One of the things that I've noticed is is that uh, if you've ever met a drug addict, 
or a previous one, and they're like, you know, they'll say, hey, I'm two years sober, I'm three years, five years sober, whatever it is. Uh, I've met many of them, and by the grace of God, they haven't actually acted out their addiction. But so many of them have told me, but man, I fight it every day. I fight it every single day. Do you know that's not God's desire? That's not transformation. God wants to completely uproot even the desire of sin. Just because you've figured it out outwardly, he doesn't want you to wrestle and, and, and be uh, bound to it internally either. Now watch this. Watch what Philippians says. Philippians 2.13. Philippians 2.13 says this. It says, For it is God who works in you to both will and to do. To both will and to do. He's not just working to fix the outside. If you have an addiction, fantastic. I'm, I'm happy for you that you're not doing it on the outside, but if you're wrestling on the inside, grace wants to do more. Grace will take you further than just not doing it on the outside. Grace will actually change you on the inside as well. For it is God who works in you, not just to do, but to will, to have the motivation. If you, instead of fighting a desire to smoke, God wants to replace it with a desire to do something else. Instead of battling a lack of motivation to work out, God will put the motivation inside of you when you rest and you bring it under his grace. Instead of battling against your anger issue, put it under grace and God will give you his kindness. Instead of trusting your ability to fix something or improve something, trust him. Put it under grace. And let me repeat this again. If there's an area that you feel frustrated in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, chances are it's because you are still trying to complete it in your own effort. The flesh will always be frustrated because it's simply not strong enough. It's simply not good enough. The only thing that is good enough is grace. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that will transform your life. So, whatever your hope is this year, 2017, find ways to bring it under grace. Let me just give you an example. Lord, you know that I would like to lose some weight this year, Lord. I'd like to get healthier. I'd like to eat healthier. I know that I can't do it in my own effort. So, Jesus, I receive your grace right now. I receive your grace right now to change the desires of my heart. You know best, Holy Spirit, what works well with my body. Lord, you know how to make me want to work out. You know how to give me a desire and a taste for the things that are going to be healthy for my body and a distaste for the things that are working against it. I put it under your grace. I'm going to rest and be at peace. Do you see? So whatever the resolutions of your, your life. Maybe you have family resolutions this year or goals as a family, uh, goals as an individual. Bring them under God's grace and you will have success because Jesus will work for you. Amen? All right, worship team, come on up. If there's nothing else you remember, remember Philippians 2.13, family. Stand up with me. I want you to repeat this. I want this to go deep into your heart. This is what grace does, okay? 
This is what grace does. Repeat this. For it is God who works in me, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Who works in me? Who works in me? Say it. Jesus, I thank you that you work in me both to will, motivation, and to do. Amen. Mm. Father, I thank you for every person here. Lord, I thank you. Uh, <laughs> I thank you for your word that's gone forth about grace, about grace that transforms. Lord, would you continue to teach us how to operate under the new covenant and not be tricked or bewitched into going back to it, a covenant of our own effort. Lord, that every area of our life, everything, including our marriages, including our, our singleness, our, our work life, our jobs, our, our personal um, uh, desires and goals, Lord, our finances, that we would bring it to you, trusting your grace knowing that you transform, that you don't just try to amend or repair, but that you will completely transform us on the inside out. We receive today the fullness of your grace. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.